ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Christmas time is here. That's right. We're going home for the holidays to Amityville on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings, salutations, and jingle bells, everyone. It's that holiday season here at the Kill by Kill podcast, the uh, show dedicated to talking about horror movie characters in the order in which they die. And as you can tell, I've lost the plot in terms of this opening, but I don't really care. It's the season of forgiveness and for presents. And of course, there's only one person I trust, is if I need her to say a prayer for me in a church, she'll shout that prayer so loud she goes blind. The one, the only, Gina Redcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? I, I, I'm sweating. I, I'm screaming. <laughs> Uh, you, you know yeah. how, you know how like the kids on the internets, when you know, they get, they get news about something that they, they say it, they're shaking and crying that that's, uh, that, right. that's what I'm yeah, doing right now. I, 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 yeah, I'm just, you know, raising my voice to the heavens. <laughs> Holy jamoli. If you like, if you have a fetish and that fetish is watching people hold their hands over their ears and sweat, this movie <laughs> is like porn hub for you. <laughs> I, I feel like we're gonna it's, have uh, I, I feel like we're gonna have a little bit of a problem here, a little a little conflict uh, uh, on the on the kill by kill podcast that we've never that we've never experienced before. <laughs> I mean, how what what conflict did you think might arise via watching the Amityville Horror nineteen seventy nine? Uh, I kind of like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> And you called okay. you you um, you you, te- you texted me approximately five minutes before we were supposed to record, and you said you said hang mm-hmm. on finishing up this turn, and I'm like I'm like oh boy. yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> Gina we are gonna have conflict this is it's gonna be it's gonna be fist it's gonna be fist this is um like most holidays when families get together. And then all of a sudden, this small thing that really shouldn't matter divides an entire family. And the thing that will divide us here today is whether or not the 1979 version of the Amityville Horror is a good movie. And while I do think there are good parts to it, I think it is uh, an overripe concoction um i think it's boring it could lose at least 25 fucking minutes and there is zero tension to it and i think the third act is really oversold that said uh, you know it's it's not that it has never affected me i as i've said on the podcast before the sequence in which the windowsill slams on that kid's hand traumatized me well i i really came to look at it from a different light after reading um, Stephen King's Dance Macabre in which yes sure yeah in which he basically brings up the idea that the the real terror in Amityville horror is not of you know ghosts or whatever it is that supposedly compelled the uh, the young man to murder the family in the house before the Lutzes moved in. Mm-hmm. It's being financially yeah. in way over your fucking head. Um, and, and yes, I yes. mean, you, you kind of had to understand it to really understand it. If you, if you, if you, if you get what I'm saying, like the, the whole thing right, is, yeah, yeah. is the minute these people walk into the house, they're like, mm, we made a huge mistake <laughs> and it's not, yes. it's not even yeah. just because it's not even because the house is allegedly haunted. It's, it's, you know, we have spent every dime to our name for this house and we have, we have nothing left. Yes. Um, and that I don't disagree with. I think that there are two really interesting facet to this motion picture well maybe even three but let's start with this one because i think what king brings up in dance macabre a a book that we've mentioned many times on the show and i think is worth people reading um but in particular to the amityville horror his sell that this is in its core a capitalist nightmare and the the core scene to that sort of proposal is when the brother's $1,500 $1,500 of cash goes disappearing, you know, just disappears into thin air 
the uh, day before his wedding. And the, the movie is essentially stating that the, the house is fucking with them and just taking cash out of their pocket. It is just causing havoc for the sake of havoc. It is a literal money pit that is sucking them dry to the point in which Kathy looks at herself in the mirror and goes, I'm old. <laughs> and that is uh, supposed to be spookifying. Again, intellectually, I think it is super interesting. It, as the film tells it, I'm unconvinced. Yeah, I, well, yeah, I was, what I was going to say is I, I think it's a really good concept but the execution is is lacking. Um, I, I I mean the 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 problem is as you say it's a little flabby in places. Um, and honestly, yeah. when the uh, the two thousand five remake, you know, tries to punch things up a bit with you know CGI, and then you know in addition to like this Indian burial ground nonsense, now there's also this whole other right. you know person is like catch catch him and kill him and actually that did not make it any any yeah. more interesting <laughs> um no no i i don't think it does no and, and the the indian burial ground element of it is so tacked on even to the 79 version which you know helen shaver comes into this movie literally gassed up on diesel i mean she is hitting the fourth or fifth cup of high grade coffee before every single scene, <laughs> she can vibrate through walls. That is the I, I, intensity that she is working at in this motion picture. I do miss you don't. And you don't, she's like you, you don't. You don't actually see anymore in horror movies too often. The random character who just happens to have a friend who's psychic and can they can like yeah and can like yeah. kind of connect with you. Know, you know what's going on and like you know a haunted house or something like that you, you know that, that's like a, a horror movie trope you really don't see anymore and i i, I i'd be curious that as needs that a to, comeback right i'd be curious as to why that's no longer a thing i i don't know it's because it's not like white ladies have stopped being spiritual um or burning sage. No, no. I mean, if anything, if you if you if you look at if you look at t TikTok or whatever, you know, every other person, you know, you know, has believes they have some connection with the spirit world. So I'm I'm not sure why, you know, in in, in movies, you you current movies don't reflect yeah. that. Um, the so I agree with the sort of capitalist nightmare of it all. I mean, I've said it before and, you know, you never know where someone starts the podcast. So I'll say it again. The very first panic attack that I ever had that sent me to the hospital uh, was reviewing the numbers of the house when we bought it. We, we just started to sketch it out with, on pencil and paper of how much this, the house was going to cost and the amount of zeros that were attached to everything sent me into a tizzy <laughs> literally uh i thought i was going to die and i intellectually knew i wasn't having a heart attack but you would be hard pressed to tell my body that it was rather convinced and oh, yeah. when i you know told the intake person i i believe I, I'm not having a heart attack. I believe I'm having a panic attack. I just, I can't tell myself to calm down. It's not working. We're buying the house. He goes, no, 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 no. Sit down. I, I, I'm going to inject you with some things. It, it, explain no further was the medical <laughs> advice I got. You're just like, I've seen this before. You're buying a house. Let's inject some shit into your veins, may my man. Because it is terrifying to put yourself well, in yeah. that level of debt. It is also terrifying to think that the level of debt they're putting themselves in is $80,000, Gina. <laughs> no small chunk of change, yeah, but, but fuck the, you. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, it, 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 it's $70. That's, 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 a, that's a fair amount. And also, I, have, you, have you ever read the book? I haven't. I read one of the sequels and for whatever reason i never picked up the the jay anson original for 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 absolute 75% to 90% horse shit it's it's 
pretty well written. I mean, it, it reads like a novel because it essentially right. is a novel. It's yeah. mostly fiction. Um, you know, they, they're, you know, so, you know, George is actually the kid's stepfather. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's, you know, running this, you, 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 uh, contracting business. Um, you know, they buy this, they, it's, it's so many bad decisions at once that the, that the movie doesn't really get a chance to dip into. This is all their money. Kathy doesn't yeah. work. Uh, um, George is a contractor. They buy the house right before Christmas. But it's the slowest when they're getting into the slowest time of the year for sure, contracting. Yeah. It's just, it's, you know, it's, it's just one bad decision after another. He resents her because he feels that she pressured him into buying a house. She resents him because they don't have enough money. They're, they're just, and, and it sort of def- feeds into that, uh, trope of you know if your house is haunted it's going to feed on negative energy so right right from the start the minute they walk in that door it's just coming in hot with negative and that's where i think again intellectually this movie operates at a level that i find interesting in that the the house has sensed a uh a fissure in their marriage and is preying on it constantly. I mean, when we first meet them, they are so hot for one another. They are fucking on the carpet where people were murdered. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I love, that's another aspect I really love about this story is the reason why this enormous house is so mm. cheap. And I don't know why I'm telling people this, even if you haven't seen any of the amateur movies, you know, the concept, but is because an entire family, I want to say like, six people were 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 yeah. murdered in the house now that part yeah. is true that part actually happened um so a year later they get this house and it's huge um it's got like you know it, it, it's got all this land behind it they got a dock it even comes there's a boat that mm-hmm. comes with it um it's still furnished <laughs> with like, yeah. the the, with the deceased family's it. furniture it's fully furnished and and they just they keep they just keep yeah. it all they they they're not worried that they're so you know strapped for cash that they can't replace they can't afford to replace the yeah. furniture and I mean I don't know about you I am a very superstitious yeah. person uh, I would have a lot of problems living in a house in which a murder took place let alone with the belongings <laughs> of the people that were killed in the house still there. Yes. Every, everybody sleep. Everybody sleeping on air mattresses. Right. My concern until we could get new furniture. Yes, uh, or in a tent outside. Um, that's the, the sort of uh, tempting offer that they're sort of given by the house. It draws them in, but I also don't quite understand what the house is trying to get out of them. You know what I mean? In Poltergeist, you kind of understand what the spirits are attempting to do with that family. They're using that little girl to get to the other side. And so a lot of the stuff that's happening is communication errors. They're just spooky ass ghosts who can't talk. And so they're like, I don't know. We got to suck that little chick into a a closet in order to get us where we need to go. And everything else that happens is kind of like, you know, a sideline project. And then one, one ghost doesn't make it out. It's like, you know what? I'm going to suck this entire house into a vortex. You're like, all right, I get it. I get that house's game. This one, very, a lot of variable strength action happening. It's like, Hey, I can make this priest get into a car accident and get blinded in a church miles away. But also I'm kind of a spooky pig. Like, choose a fucking lane house well again if you and and, and it, the, all the like sort of lore behind it i i think that people kind of just added it as their you know and, and then it sort of was accepted as oh okay that's what's uh-huh. going on here uh where like there's supposed to be a ghost a ghost child in it and and uh you know and again we, to go back to it's supposedly 
buried not just on on a, a you know indigenous burial ground, but a burial ground for people who were sick or mentally ill that were abandoned by right, their tribes. Yeah. Now, um, people have you know, researched if such a thing existed in the Amityville area at any point. Right. Not. Sure. No, not. <laughs> there is no, there is no record of, of any, you know, any of the grounds or your land in that, in that part of New York state being used for yeah. that purpose. Um, so, I mean, it, it's you, the, People who live in Amityville, you know, got real tired of hearing about, you know, the Amityville horror probably about two weeks after it came <laughs> out um, to the point to to the point where they actually completely changed the the facade of the house. Um, they had already changed it by the time the movie came out uh, because the exterior shots were filmed in Tom's River, New Jersey. I know this because I demanded that my, my aunt who lived in Tom's River at the time drive me past the house so I could see yeah. it. Um, they, they, and then they later ch- changed the entire house number because people would drive by the house and say, well, yeah. there it is. Um, and it began to create a, a problem for people who just wanted to live quietly on Ocean Avenue. So they changed the house number. I mean, this is one of the few times we ever see the house actually in America because the two movies we have covered were both filmed in Mexico. (laughs) They had to leave the country to make these (laughs) movies after this. I think generally they're now filmed in, they're all filmed in Bulgaria, which used to be the, the horror movie uh, filming location of yes, choice. You can do years. anything there. The, the their main uh, in, interior product is fake blood. Apparently, um, I might remind our audience, or maybe they don't know, that the Amityville horror was not merely a success. It was the second highest grossing motion picture of all of 1979. It was a fucking phenomenon okay alien did not make as much money as the amityville horror did so that's how huge this fucking movie is and again intellectually i get it but the movie itself is a tad high strung gina Yeah, I, I, you know, it, it tried to weigh the the good points and, and the bad uh-huh. points. Uh, for me, uh, uh, the, a good point is the is the 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 nun who who you know starts backing out of the out of the driveway and stops. And like, yeah, <laughs> she's just a great she's just a great on screen vomiter. Oh yeah, I love no, it. no. like <laughs> it's a scene primarily meant as Mad Magazine bait. They just like. As soon as the writers <laughs> and cartoonists at Man Magazine saw that, they're like, oh, uh, oh, you're just doing our job for us, baby. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, what the one thing that everybody can remember, you know, whether you've watched Amityville Horror once uh, or 100 mm. times, is um, it is a, a real competition for who is the biggest <laughs> ham between um, James uh-huh. Brolin, Jimmy yeah. B, and uh, one Rod Steiger, Ooh, Roddy who, who can overact without speaking. <laughs> he can overact without speaking. It's remarkable. It's like his blood is boiling within his skin. He's just <laughs> shaking. He's like turning into that one scene in the church. He's like turning into a werewolf, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Like he is literally like howling at the moon by the end of that uh, scene. He goes so crazy. His character goes blind. That is, and does no one does his, <laughs> does his kind of boyfriend there not see the statues bursting inside the church? He's so like, what is this? Well, I, I I think he's I think he's I always got the impression he's like he was hallucinating oh, okay. that that like that like the it, that that the you know the devil's kind of messing with him like it, it's you know in, in the book it's more that he just gives him a skin yeah. rash yeah. which is kind of mm-hmm. funny. 
that seems more the speed of what, you know, I'm not going to say it's reality because all of this is bullshit, but, uh, do it gets, it gets the devil gives him a skin rash and then kisses. Some right, yeah. Trouble. No, you get some hellish <laughs> eczema that makes a lot more sense. Uh, <laughs> but then, but then you've got this, let, let's not, let's not, let's not, uh, um, uh, overlook this first scene when he he goes to the house to to bless mm. the house um and he gets caught in this uh in this this i guess it's supposed to be a sewing room the, or something knows. there's a lot of fucking uh, rooms uh, in this house the there's room that's so many flies if you were walking around with a shotgun you'd have a hard time finding yeah, so many people to kill yeah that's another thing it's like when you you know, you, you feel for this family but at the same time it's like okay you don't need this much fucking no. house it is it is like you and th- you two and three yes. kids you 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 know get get a get a nice three bedroom Seriously. rancher or something those those boys could share uh, a room. they're all they are sharing a fucking room that's the crazy thing gina it's got 58 rooms and they're in the goddamn attic which means you have to put them to bed you have to walk four fucking flights of stairs to put children to bed fuck that which is probably put them in the attic which is probably not heated no because because most addicts are not. No, no, no. And meanwhile, you've got <laughs> you've got a character walking around. James Brolin looks like if Wolfman Jack went through a playgirl training camp. And he's constantly running around in a dirty sweatshirt, shivering because he's so fucking cold. Or he's chopping wood to look hot. Not Amityville Horror 2005 level hot, but pretty damn good for 1979 when he's not in gray bear uh, gray beard like um frazzled jesus it's a real variable look i was gonna say it's kind of more of a charles manson thing to me sure yes and the thing that this movie posits but, that he somehow looks like the the oldest son who murdered the rest of the family well that gets really lost in two because that kid looks zero like J- J- james brolin josh brolin whichever brolin this fucking is well i the interesting thing is he does sort of look like the real guy a little bit uh-huh. like the, the guy in amityville 2 doesn't look anything at no, all no, no. like like not even when his the, face real life guy no but but getting back to the scene where Steiger goes into this sewing room, mm-hmm. he's trapped in the room. <laughs> this film, uh, like this, the door swings shut. He doesn't. He doesn't even. Tr- he doesn't even try to un- un- open it. I don't think no. it just. It just swings shut on his own. He doesn't say like, "Hey, I'm locked in." I mean, and I, I think. They're in the house, yeah, or they're like outside or something. They're in the boat. So he he could get their attention. Right. So, you know, he could be like waving at the window or something. Yeah. Um, also, you know, you someone comes into your house to bless your house, you leave, rude. <laughs> you know, it's like just wait downstairs till he's done. Yeah. My God. No, bless have a complete stranger walking around your house. Yeah, bless it. While we're gone, there's a 20 on the nightstand. Hit the curb. Uh, what more do you need? You know, there's there's a say there's 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 a there's a happy sandwich in the fridge. You could have that if you yeah, like. Yeah, sure. Yeah, there's, um, there's a halfy of beer. Go for it. But he just starts, he just starts reacting to things like like soundlessly, and, and honestly, it's like he just got struck with like the worst case of diarrhea in in in, in, in someone's life. He's sweating. He's grimacing. His hands are shaking. <laughs> And it's like, I, I'm not quite, I, I guess there's supposed to be like a bad smell or something. Mm, sure. And, and he just sent, he let, let these flies just kind of like, hello, hi, <laughs> hello. Just kind of like, you know, light off his face. Hey, he's just sort of just standing there like cringing and grimacing and sweating and like, and not like, hey, help, stop, dear God, please, what is this? Nothing. Just everything is, he's just like doing some kind of like mime routine. Right. Steiger looks like he's holding his breath after running a 400 meter sprint. He just, he is dying for oxygen, but refuses to give himself any. He is playing this scene with all the subtlety of the angry orange. Um, it just is... <laughs> 
a sight to behold, quite honestly. Uh, he runs away with it for me in terms of the acting Olympics, and he's barely in the movie. And I say that because it's nearly two fucking hours, and you could cut a lot of his scenes. But if you did, then you would cut out the scene of Murray Hamilton showing up, and you you know you're in trouble when Murray Hamilton is there to say, Forget everything you know. I've got this handled. <laughs> Fucking run, baby. Well, the funny thing is, is that uh, uh, you know, both the character, both in the 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 movie and in the book, mm-hmm. like it's just it's, he's no help at all. Like a good, like just absolutely no help. Yeah. Um, it does. The book does go a little more into his experience. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, as, as you say, they kind of play a little fast and loose with, you know, what exactly is going on in this house. Because if, you know, if you're, if you're going to be a traditionalist, a, a haunted house, everything that's in the house stays in the house. It doesn't follow you from place to place. Yeah, yeah. That's a poltergeist. You're right. Yeah. Um, and then of course in later, in, uh, in later movies, all 450 of them, <laughs> it's, you know, it's not just that the, the house is haunted, but things that were in the house, you know, if you take them away, they, they take a little, a little piece of, of the evil with them. Yeah. And like, you know, so you have a haunted clock, uh, a haunted doll house, uh, later you have a haunted vibrator for the adults <laughs> in the audience. Um, uh, you know, all of it has a little, a little as, as you like to say, a little skosh of, of evil. Um, but here it's like everybody that comes into the house is is affected by this. Yeah. It, it it takes it takes some evil with them, like like some you know leftover turkey at Thanksgiving. Um, so you have this um, this priest who you know goes to the house to bless it. You know, he has this experience. And then, like, like as I say, you know, the devil gives him a skin condition. Uh, it makes prank calls to the, to the rectory. Uh, it, it, it you know causes car problems, and you know, much of it is him sort of, you know, having this tormented debate with himself as to whether or not he can continue helping this family. Uh-huh. And then in the end, he's like, "Nah, I don't think so." <laughs> That's the last we hear from him. You know what? Like Life's too fucking short. And I have an eternity to look forward to. And it's too short. Um, it's like, that's a, that's a YP. Not an <laughs> um, th- that is the thing that I think is. So, so if you're, if you're expecting, so if you're expecting like father, uh, you know, father Karras heroics in this, right, uh, you're yeah. going to be disappointed. No, that's what I think the third salient point of this movie is, and it is a counterpoint to the exorcist in that, in that film, the church is all powerful to do something. Now it's, it's not without effort. You know, you got to put in the time. You might have to throw yourself out a window, but the church can do something for you in the amityville horror. The church can't do shit. Like anyone with any amount of Catholicism to them, just start staggering and puking moments within going under the, <laughs> you know, doorway of this fucking house. It can, you know, they just they just act like somebody just just laid a dookie right in front of them. Right, exactly, and to the point where it's getting Rod Steiger into easily avoidable car crashes. You know, he's not even the one fucking driving <laughs> in that scene. And the guy who is driving is like, I don't know, maybe the wheel was stuck or something. Like, man, you're not even fucking helpful at all. Yeah, it's it's you know, it I maybe it's it's probably one of those things that's like tied up in in a little, you know, childhood nostalgia for me. Sure. I, I, I certainly thought that this movie was pretty scary when I was a kid, especially especially the the babysitter getting locked in the closet thing. That 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 was pretty effective. Yes. Um and and it was tied up in the in the in in the book for me because you know I did as I mentioned you know often my parents really didn't monitor what I what I read or watched so I read the book of this when I was probably like I don't know nine or ten uh-huh. and you know like I said, it's a pretty it's a pretty you know, I'm sure if I read it now I'd be like oh come on but you know for for a kid it it was pretty effective yeah. and I I don't know it's like. It, it's sort of like you know is 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 the exorcist too intense for you watch the amityville horror right yes 
That might have been it. I think I think that it spoke to the time in which it happened. Because in 1979, you have inflation going crazy. People are genuinely dissatisfied. The 70s have unmoored a lot of people uh, in terms of their values, in terms of what they held in regard. People are straying away from government. They're straying away from the church. They don't believe in institutions anymore. Dogs and cats living together. You know, mass hysteria. And as a result, <laughs> the story of a uh, of the the sacrosanct American dream of owning a home and that going truly sideways on you is very resonant. Again, intellectually, the Amityville horror works, but there are moments in this movie that are so the it's a. The sound mix here is designed to get a dictator to leave his spider hole. It's just full of <laughs> cat scares and and you know you know someone walks into a room and you're seeing someone shotgun blast a, a blob and blood going everywhere. And you're like, is this? This is not. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love that. I love that bit at the beginning where she's like the the real estate lady is uh, is walking them around and it's like, and this is the children's room. Then she'll like, you know, a child's dead body. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And because the, the audience is experiencing the horror movie, the people in the horror movie are not experiencing the horror movie. And it just, it comes off like all the worst instincts of what would eventually be jump scare driven haunted house movies. It's kind of, why we don't cover a lot of them because a not a lot of people die and that's kind of our thing around here and b i think they fall into some really unnecessary traps in order to ratchet up tension because ultimately if it was that fucking scary from the jump you'd leave the goddamn house it is the eddie murphy routine all over again (laughs) it's just like I don't know, man. The house tells you to get out. Fucking get out. Yeah, I mean, well, it's it's interesting that you, because, you know, we didn't do the first, well, we, we, we covered the movies overall in the Conjuring universe. Yeah. And I, I feel like that the Conjuring did the essentially exact same story because they too bought a house that, you know, was maybe a little bit out of their, you know, outside their means. Yeah. And yet I feel like the, the Conjuring was so much more of an effectively done movie yes. um, that I I feel is genuinely scary. But but it has a lot of it does fall into potentially a lot of the same tracks. But you have a director whose skill level at that particular type of motion picture is at its height. He absolutely knows what to do to twist an audience into a feeling of unease. And he reserves his jump scares for very specific moments and and calmly builds towards them as to not give you false scares, but really lead you towards a satisfying scare. Stuart Rosenberg, meanwhile, the guy who directed this film, has plenty of, you know, movies that made money in his past. No one's going to begrudge him directing Cool Hand Luke or my personal favorite, The Drowning Pool, which I believe is fucking awesome. But this sort of desaturated haze made for TV movie look of this film also instantly dates it. And the lack of subtlety raises it to campy heights at certain levels. And then sometimes the camp is just, it's not fun or funny. It's just, it, it seems like incompetence. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah, I, I it's, it's, it doesn't seem like it was a genre he was comfortable directing. Sure. Whereas um, with The Conjuring, obviously, you know, that's mostly what the director does. Yeah, um, yeah it's. It's, you know, choices were made that you could see, you know, why The Conjuring was was better overall in that, you know, it, it doesn't take very long for them to figure out there's something wrong with the house. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they, they seek out help pretty quickly. 
Uh, and then, you know, the, the majority of the film is, you know, them trying to, you know, address the problem. Whereas with the Amityville Horror, it's two hours of, well, oh, that's strange. Huh. Yeah. I, I wonder what's with this goop running down the wall. Or, you know, you know why can't anyone come into our house without becoming violently ill? <laughs> And then, like, it's the last 15 minutes where we're going to get the fuck out of here. Yes. <laughs> and the we got to get the fuck out of here it, sequence it, is them slipping down the stairs where and someone is shaking an right. attic machine. Like, it's just yeah. emotionally, I get what it's going for. And it must have resonated. But well after the fact, I, you see a lot of the seams here and... Um, if it was all Rod Steiger level moments, I think it would be one thing. But poor Margot Kidder, who um, I hate to be horny on me, but is slamming in this motion picture. She's <laughs> hot <laughs> in this film. Uh, do you have to do ballet exercises in an open shirt and just one leg warmer and panties? No, yeah. but she does. <laughs> and she wears it fucking well. Yeah, I'm not sure the the. I, I don't remember a whole lot about 1979, but but I don't know if the the uh, one leg warmer thing was you know trendy or not. Do you have to put a flower in your hair before sex? No, but for some reason it works for Margot <laughs> Kidder, so I'm okay with it. Again, on a horny level, yeah, she seems like she seems much. like she seems like the type who might have put a flower in her hair. Absolutely, one hundred percent. She was that. That's what she. That's what. That's what she refers to it as as making love. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she's putting flowers in her hair. She's doing cocaine. She's getting Stevie Spielberg laid. These are the things that Margot Kidder is good at. Uh, a year after fucking <laughs> Superman, she's doing it at the top level. Josh James Brolin, I fucking cannot tell the difference between these two people who are related to one another. James Brolin is just bug eyed, like he's been in the trenches of Nam through half of this thing. And the way they convey this a lot of, of the time for almost every character is they get gray face. <laughs> they just parts of their face. Yeah, he, go he, gray. He, he, he turns gray. Like he, I guess he stops trimming his beard and, and like, you know, he gets this sort of like a uh, bad scientist hair yes. or like, it just like, like he's inventing it, a time it, it machine. It looks like he stuck garage. his finger in an electrical socket. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, like again, in the, in the, in the book, if I recall, he's like, he's like as soon as they move it he becomes he becomes sick yeah like he 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 can't go to work because he gets like some kind of like stomach flu that like never never seems to go away so like that would explain why he looks so terrible i'm not quite sure why he's supposed to look so terrible in this uh i mean you could say you know well maybe he's possessed by by whatever is in the sure. house it's like yeah. mm, I, I guess, I guess. sure I mean, when you got toilets overflowing with black goo and his first response is go, Kathy, as if Kathy has made black goo come out of your fucking toilet. Like, that's obviously not a single person's issue, my man. Yeah. And like half the shit, they like blame it on the kids. Right. Yeah. Like, it's like, OK, what do you think the children are doing to to make a room, you know, smell like something died in it? <laughs> well, we've both had children. Um, it's possible. It is possible uh, for them to create some very noxious gases. There, you know, there's there are new intakes and outtakes. You're working out the kinks in that system. Like shit happens, quite literally. Uh, the one, but yeah, they 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 don't. It, it takes about halfway through the movie. Before anybody starts expressing any, you know, genuine concern yes. about what might be going on in the house. Yes. It it takes James Brolin going on a day trip to town where he walks in and out of uh, City Hall and the local library in a bar, stealing everything he can, punching out his co-workers uh, for anyone to go. Maybe it's the house doing this. Uh, meanwhile, at least we get Margot Kidder rocking some fat ass glasses 
and going to the local newspaper so she can do research on microfiche, Gina. Woo! Microfiche. Microfiche. Oh, it's the best. More people need to do research on microfiche. It's awesome. I, I love, there's nothing more I like, that, and, and this movie does it, than when someone is like whizzing through the, the, the you know, the microfiche, and they stop on exactly the headline. <laughs> they no, it's the best. It's the best. How could you possibly miss it? Um, uh, it's, it's even, it's even better. It's even better than when somebody turns on the when somebody turns on the radio and hears the exact significant yeah. news story they need to hear. Yeah, it's a headline. Uh, someone has escaped from the mental institution and the local sheriff's office asks for you to lock your doors and stay inside tonight. That sort of uh, the, the plot uh, further into broadcast. Network. Exactly. I will say that the one device that I like about the movie, and it's it's not, it's stealing it from the haunting, but it still works is that something terrible happens every night at 3.15 a.m. Of course, the original bad thing that happened at 3.15 a.m. is the DeFeo family kid shot his entire family. So now that this new family is in, when 3.15 hits, uh, evil's hitting the peak of its uh, spooky rave, and uh, James Brolin has to get up and, and something awry happened, and he's like, damn it, I'm going to go smoke in the boathouse. Um, <laughs> that being said, it somewhat undercuts it that terrible things are also happening all the time every other day. Well, yeah, and I, I do, I do actually like the three fifteen thing because there is actually a little folklore behind real life folklore behind that. Okay. In uh, that's considered um like the time between like around between two and three o'clock in the morning is if you believe in this kind of shit. And I, I don't, but it's fascinating to, to read. It's supposed to be when the veil between um, the living and the dead is at its thinnest. Okay. And when you're most likely to hear from, you know, spirits or whatever. And a lot of people, myself included will often, you know, wake up in the middle of the night. And it's, it's, often be between three and four in the morning. Huh. Uh, I mean, most of the time we go back to sleep, Sure, but it, it does, it does happen. And it's, you know, it's, you know, of course people say, well, it's, you know, it's your, it's your subconscious mind reacting to hearing something or, or, but I, I do like that aspect. And I, and I wish that maybe they had explored that a little more, Sure, but you know, this movie was long enough as it was. No, that's the one thing it's, it's, it's not as if it's not giving uh, breath to any of its ideas. It's definitely investing time uh, and dialogue and shaking wet hands to everything. Um, again, going back to Helen Shaver, who, oh my God, what a performance she delivers. I think she's the one who comes closest to Roddy Steig's uh, level of intensity. Because she is going ham, both in fear from the house, and then later on, like you know what, I I've got to give in to this. I got to see what's doing in that basement, and then just starts opening up a fucking wall all by herself. Yeah, and 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 then this, you know, I I feel like the scene in um, uh, Barbarian where he's uh, uh, Justin Long is going around. Um, measuring the extra space he has found sure. in his home uh -huh. that he didn't know was there. Sure. I, I feel like it's kind of an homage to this, you know, this, oh, there's this mysterious room hidden in here mm -hmm. that we didn't know about. And, you know, again, nobody is really, you know, they're mildly perplexed. Yeah. That, that this, this, this room is, uh, is, is, uh, is, is, you know, that does not, does not show up on the, on the, uh, the uh, uh the blueprints of the house right. which to be would be like okay we're bricking that up right yeah, now yeah exactly because that's probably that's probably something evil and it, it doesn't help that it's like but uh it's the least interesting version of that hell well as opposed to like in two it's just full of demonic shit and then in three it's a hot tub demon and who blows somebody's face off like you're really stepping some shit up here and in, in this one they open up that wall and 
and James Brolin looks inside and he sees he sees a wavy version of himself like it's a an episode of Fantasy Island. <laughs> Here is your future. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Um what else haven't we talked about? Uh I don't know. When I came up with this idea, we're going to talk about an Amityville movie every Christmas. This seems like a good tradition for us. I I kind of assumed we would talk about one of the wackier ones. But when you suggested this one, I'm like, you know what? It's right. We should go to the beginning because it is one the, one the first of the original Ridge that we haven't discussed. And we should treat it seriously and... I bought it on Blu-ray. Let's talk about this movie. And again, I just think it's more intellectually interesting than filmically interesting. Well, I, I also, you have to give it credit because a lot of subsequent haunted house movies, even Poltergeist, which did everything you know, on a completely different scale. Yeah lifted a lot of stuff from the Amityville Horror. Sure. Um, I think it may be, it may be one of the first haunted house movies that shows like a family pet reacting to something before anybody else, any, any human realizes there's something going on, which is that's like a, a number one trope yeah. in, 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 in haunted house movies. You got the dog barking at nothing. You've got the cat hissing, which, you know, of course in, in a conjure in the conjuring, they up the ante on that by just killing the fucking dog. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Like things. I think literally the day after they, they they moved in, like they found the dog like dead outside. The 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 ghost, the you know, whatever is haunting the the the, the house in Bathsheba or whatever. It's just like yeah, I'm not even fucking with that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, you've got the whole you know people you know, who are like sensitive to spirits. You know, as soon as they come into the house, they're like, oh, there's just bad energy here. And, you know, it's a combination of that and, and the haunting. Right. And, and, you know, every subsequent haunted house movie has lifted from one or the other or both. Sure. Um, it should be noted that George, a guy who is in serious monetary trouble, has both a boat and a fucking motorcycle. Pick a vice, my guy. <laughs> like when when we started this podcast i'm like well i'm not going to start a, having a different sideline hobby this is going to be the hobby this is it <laughs> i can't also like start sailing that's that you gotta pick one yeah i have a family i have a wife i have a dog i have a child these things take priority. You got to choose one. And he's like, mm, I'm a boat guy and a motorcycle guy. You don't know. No, 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 no. Choose one. Well, keep I me mean, keep in mind that's, you know, that that could be, you know, an attempt at, you know, creating some sense of discord because remember that he is not the children's father. True. He's their stepfather. Yeah, yeah. And and I don't recall if in the in the movie they mentioned this. They are actually not married very long before before all this goes down it, it, i recall in the book it's maybe a year or so so well, you know they, the kids she still, says the, to the uh to the real estate person we just got married so yeah so you know i, I think that he came into you know suddenly playing daddy with the boat and the motorcycle sure. and, and 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 all that so the you know, the fact that his first thought upon you know, not being able to work as well, maybe I should sell one of these things. Yeah. I mean, again, that tells you a lot about the character and his motivations, <laughs> but yeah. Um, I, I do, I do love that scene in the kitchen in which Kathy is constantly getting phone calls that don't connect. And then a summer breeze makes me feel fine goes through the room. <laughs> Yeah, you can tell you can tell that uh that Kathy's next Catholic because like she smells like roses or something. Yeah. And that means like 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 the bless the blessed mother is there with her. <laughs> I always heard I always heard that as a kid. If you smell rose if you smell roses. That's the one thing about the the blessed mother is very rosy. Yeah. 
just rose. Yeah, yeah. She likes. She likes that. She like. She likes that rose water perfume. <laughs> just like grandma. Oh yeah. Um, I just have to say, as far as a movie ghost goes, Jody is not scary. It's just not. He's just a little piggy. He's just. He's just a guy. He's just a little pig. <laughs> It's just a guy with some glowing eyes, but it's not neither in the pig form nor the glowing. These batteries aren't working quite right. Light bulb eyes. Neither version is particularly spookifying. Was this a R PG when it came out? I want to say it's PG, but it could be R. Yeah, because it, fe- it, it, it feels restrained. Like it's, you know, I, I, I'm always a fan of, you know, if you, you know, are, if you want to make your movie scary, make it scary. Yeah. And, and, you know, there are people who can do, a, you know, an effective PG or PG 13 horror movie again, poltergeist. Yeah. Um, but it, it sort of feels like Rosenberg was unaware or uninterested in finding out how far he could go. Uh-huh with making things scary so rather you have a lot of you know reacting to things but not showing the audience what people are reacting to like like again i i i you really have no idea what 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 rod steiger is you know going through <laughs> you just know that he's going through room. You, like he kind of does is like ew stinky kind of waves at one point but but like that's it. So it's like, okay, is he completely overwhelmed by this the stench that's that's you know uh, come into the room, or you know is he is something like touching him, or or can he see something that the audience can't see? Because you know, I mean, I I I take the New York City subway almost every day. Sure. I, I I have smelt some smelly smells that smell smelly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, I, but I'm not like grimacing and sweating and like doubling over like, you know, I just had a bad taco. <laughs> so I, I, you know, what's supposed to be happening to him and why is this supposed to be scary? You're, you're not having the right damn enchiladas, A. Um, B, uh, it was rated R in the United States upon release. Really? Yes. It was rated X really? in the United Kingdom. Um, so get the hell out of here for what I, well, it appeared, well, a nudity, although that's not necessarily would normally have happened, uh, in a PG rated film of the time, but you're, you're getting close to that 80 sort of tipping point violence and gore. Uh, there is some blood and shooting, even though you're not seeing the kids full on, they are shooting bloody holes in children. Uh, in the first five minutes. Of well, the okay. And profanity. Fine. Uh, so. so this is—I I don't know. I just feel like you know, you know, he kind of wasted an R rating on stuff like that when, when you know, he could have just you know, gone harder on the actual scary stuff. I agree. I don't think it's particularly directed well. Uh, I think it's one of those movies that's more interesting to talk about than it is to watch. Yeah, and and again, I think about like you know what The Exorcist did, which did not go go hard on nudity and not particularly on profanity, with the exception of you know the horrible things. When it goes hard, it goes hard, baby. But you know, right, kind of saves that you know, kind of kind of saves that up. Uh You know what I mean? And and then you know you know, kind of holds the audience's hand, then turns around and like, you know, punches the audience hard in the balls, you know, <laughs> I mean, with some of these like, you know, shocking scenes, whereas uh, like, I mean, it's, you know, you know what, it's, it's a good introduce, you know, if you want to introduce a kid to scary movies, it's pretty good for that. Sure, yeah. You know, it's, it's not, it's not terribly scary. No. I mean, I'll tell you what isn't scary. When father Delaney uh, after he goes blind from uh, monologuing too hard, gets shipped off to the Institute for Priests Who Don't See Good and want to do other things good. That place looks <laughs> awesome. 
You, you just have lunch out by the river. That's a, that looks great. Yeah, he's just he's just I, I it cracks me up again. And like I said, this is pretty much how it plays out in the book too. He's he's absolutely useless as a character. Like 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 you, he he does so little to either like help them or move the plot along in in, in any appreciable way. Yeah. That you could get, you could cut him out entirely, and and it would not, you know, it would not affect the 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 movie. Like you know, there there's been other people in the house who had the same upsetting experience. You've got this this nun who I think Kathy said it was her aunt or something, uh, and then you've got this um, was it the co-worker's girlfriend Hel- Helen Shaver's yeah. character yeah or like uh, um you know so bring her in earlier into the movie and just you know have her have this weird experience and then you know then she could go through all you know the 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 histrionics that Rod Steiger's character goes through but like he just his character just does nothing and I but I would argue that that is one of the things that the film is really trying to propagate that the church is powerless in the, in the, uh, in the actual uh, ability to do anything uh, up against a house that has legitimate power. Like they talk a good game and everything, but when they're in that room and Murray Hamilton's like, Hey man, we've seen all sorts of phenomena, but there's nothing to say it's satanic. Give it up. And Rod Steiger's like, oh, we're just going to ship people around again and keep it quiet. And you're like, oh, hey, we just touched on something that's interesting. But the movie doesn't want to investigate it any more than that. And it kind of puts that in the background once again and has toilets overflow. It's just, you know. (laughs) Well, that's the true. That's the real horror. Truly, truly. I mean, you, you, you ever have a toilet back up? That's horrible. And no, it is. It's not fun. That's the devil's work right there. And truly, truly. Um, I can't uh, see any scene in which a wall bleeds and not think of the Ghostbusters scene in which the guy in the mayor's office goes, the walls of the 86th precinct were bleeding. How do you explain that? <laughs> the way he says bleeding I could write an essay about that's mm, I I could talk about it for 15 minutes I think bleeding <laughs> I don't know who that gentleman is but I want to investigate it now that I've become obsessed with it while on air <laughs> uh oh now we've done it anything else that we need to talk about when it comes to you know like I said uh, we we didn't, we didn't uh, you know a, a violent a violent argument did not did, did not break no I, honestly I don't think we're that far movie. apart uh, yeah I, it's you know I, a lot of it is tied up in in nostalgia for me because I did watch this movie as a kid sure and you know, I, I as I said, I, I my you know, my aunt kind of casually mentioned, you know, it was like, oh, you know, the uh, the 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 house they did the uh, they did the outside of the Amityville Horrors, you know, right near where I live. It's like it is. <laughs> Take me there right now. Um, and she did. Uh, it's you know, it, I respect it for how many subsequent movies it influenced. Sure. Um. And, you know, certainly, you know, when you go into, you know, as by the time you get to the second movie, you'd be like, oh, OK, this is the tasteful one. Right. Whereas, you know, you know the, the, the rest of them are just completely batshit. Right. You know, some in a highly entertaining way and and most of them in a, you know, OK, I, you know, about 45 minutes of this, I'm good. Um, it. Yeah, I, I you know, this is the real story behind it is pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it also brings in to bring it back to the Conjuring again. Um, it brings in our pals and Lorraine Warren, sure. who uh, were instrumental in um, bringing the story to light. This is the real Ed Lorraine Warren, the con artist and Lorraine Warren, yeah. not the you know, you know, a, a, attractive couple of the of the. You know, the uh, yeah the conjuring series not, not the uh, sex on which legs is interesting that exists in the movie universe yeah 
Right. But, you know, in, in the first Conjuring movie, it does end with them, you know, being called about a house in Long Island. And it's like, oh, oh here we go. <laughs> but they, they've yet to actually do a movie that takes place there. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that feels, they, that feels too obvious for them or, or, you know, it's just been done. So I'm not even sure how you could do it differently at this point. Right. Um, you know, there have been so many movies in the Amityville series that have, you know, and I'm not even talking about the ones that are just like, you know, Amityville Dollhouse, Amityville Time, you know, you know Amityville Clock, yeah. you know, I, it's, you know, ones that are supposed to be in the house that, you know, they've redone the story so many times. They, they you know, a couple of years ago, they redid the whole, uh, which was essentially the story of part two, which was really kind of a prequel. Um, you know, they've, they've done that one again. They, of course, have done the 2005 remake, where the only thing really worth watching about that is Ryan Reynolds's you know, ridiculous, absolutely suburban dad abs. <laughs> I mean, who, you in know, terms of I, a horror I, movie you know, with cum gutters, it is A+. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that. It's, but I, I assume that it's not supposed to be Christmas time anymore because he's walking around in those you know, pajama bottoms with no shirt. Oh, man. <laughs> I, there is low rise. And again, to wear pajama bottoms that low, you got to get two haircuts. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was going to say that, that is, that is uh, rated P for pews. <laughs> Uh, but he looked fine in that uh, motion picture. He does not look haunted. It is uh, badly, badly acted and uh, not particularly fun. Um, and I, I don't know. No, it's you, you get to you get to see more. You you get to see more traumatized children in it. Uh, like this one, this one they 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 do show some of the ghosts. Yeah, and it, it, they're kind of going for that whole like. Uh, uh, Thirteen ghosts, you know, the milky eye, yeah, you, know, yeah. you know, decimated side of the head, kind of thing, sure, and yeah. then it's like, I guess, mm, okay, yeah, I, I see it, I respect it, I get it. Um, maybe it's just not for me. I, I, you know, um, will we return to Amityville for Christmas next year? Do you think? I mean. There's so many, and, <laughs> there and are. like I, yeah, I, I, I think feel like Amityville too. In some ways, could, there's so much to talk about with it, but it's also such a grody movie. At the same time, I'm not sure I want to talk about it again. Uh -huh. uh, three, like yeah, we don't need ever, we don't ever need to talk about three again. No, um, we did that. Uh, the I have both written and been on other podcasts about the haunted lamp one. Okay. But Listen. I think that's the fourth one, but you know, but I, you know, what I'm perfectly willing to talk about it again because, again, there's is a lot happening in in that movie. I feel like this is the medicine we have to take. Uh, if we had done this earlier and we had started here and then gone two and three, uh, obviously we would be having a lot more fun in, in the goofier end of the pool of Amityville. Um, but I feel like. We had to get this out of the way because it was one of the rich tridge we hadn't talked about. So it just, it needed to happen for completion's sake. And so it has. If people respond to Amityville for Christmas, like Saw's Giving, it will be this tradition that we fear uh, will come back again and force ourselves to do every <laughs> single year. But, you know, if, if the audience goes, I'd rather not, we'll, we'll uh, it'll be a one-off just like, um, the possession in 3D. Who, who's to say? We we can we can close it off, but the audience will dictate that. Um, so we must note, however, we won't uh, just so that everyone knows we won't be back uh, next week. Um, we won't be back until January. We're going to take some time off for Christmas, and um, then <laughs> then we will be back to see you in January with fun new episodes. And uh, if you want to hear more of us, I would urge that you go over to Patreon, where lo and behold, uh, we talked about a music video directed by the Oscar winning director of The Exorcist, William Friedkin, directed a Laura Branigan music video that is batshit insane, Gina. Oh, yeah, I, I did not know what I was going to be in for. And it wasn't that. <laughs> 
I mean, it is very tarp heavy, but if you were wondering, is it worth it for me to come over to Patreon to hear more of Kill by Kill? That will pretty much guarantee that you will be. Uh, also, it's, it was supposed to be a listener request month, but if you are on that tier level there, you choose a movie for us, make sure that you have an email that we that you actually respond to. Otherwise, you might miss out on your chance. Also, we are doing our Friday the 13th commentary series, and at the end of the month, we will have a brand spanking new Friday the 13th Part 2 commentary for you to listen to. Gina, where can people find you on these here internets? I write about movies and television at thespool.net. I also have a substack, um, ginawatchesthings.substack.com. You can find me there. Uh, whatever remains of Twitter, uh, I'm Gina does things there. Um, and I am also under Instagram under the same name. Excellent. Uh, do it today. People check it out. You can find us all over the interwebs, but most importantly, maybe at Patreon as Twitter comes crashing down around us. Um, join us over on Facebook. If you still got one of those, we've, we've got a fun group, uh, happening there, uh, Instagram as well. Uh, but that just about does it. Um, don't worry, folks. The body count will continue in 2023 for myself and for Gina. Thank you for being with us this year. Uh, we appreciate you all, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Happy holidays! Happy holidays!